Think about what are some of the words that people have said to you that have stuck with you over the years, right? We've all, we've all had those experiences. So what are some of the things people have said to you? Both, both things that are, are good and uplifting and, and things that you consider a part of helping you become who you are today, but also some of those things that have really pierced your heart and have seemed to almost wrap around it like barbed wire. We've all had these words spoken to us. Uh, I, I remember some of the exact words that were spoken to me by my fourth grade classmates making fun of me. I mean, this is 20 plus years later and those words, I still remember some of those words. Uh, I remember on a youth, troop, uh, youth trip somewhat recently uh, or in the last few years where one of the parents said some absolutely nasty, cruel things to me. And those those words still hurt a little bit to this day. But for as much as those words had an effect, I, I think about and remember more frequently, frequently the words that have lifted me up or the words that have shown love. I, I think about my grandma. My grandma passed when I was six, but I, I can still see her smile and, and hear in her voice say of me, that's my boy. I, I don't have many memories of her, but, but thinking on those words embrace or en encapsulate the warm love that she had for me. I also think about uh, the words from the most influential pastor during my youth, encouraging me and uh, teaching me kind of what it means to be a man. And, and he would have me uh, on, on this one mission trip, he would have me say my confirmation verse, Philippians 4.13, and I would say it kind of half-heartedly. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and he'd be like, come on, G, say it with your chest. Say it like you mean it. Those words, though they don't seem like much, had an impact. Helped form me and helped me grow. Now, on the one hand, they're, they're just words, right? No matter what examples come to mind for you, they're just words. But words can make a significant impact on us, right? It can make you feel like a million bucks or words can make you feel like you're worthless. Even though they're just words, they can leave an impact. Today we're going to be looking at uh, both of our appointed readings, but as Pastor Bugler said, uh, the text from Jonah will be my main focus for my message. The story of Jonah is, is one of my favorite Bible stories. I mean, that's part of the reason why that's my son's name. I, I love the story of Jonah. I think, you know, most people, young kids included, could tell you the bulk of the story, right? At least the highlights. God tells Nineveh, go, or God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah's like, uh-uh, not doing that. He goes, he flees over here and he gets swallowed by a fish, Right? But when, when looking at the text to prepare for this sermon, there was, there was a, an interesting detail that really stood out to me. His reason for not going to Nineveh. So I, I'm going to just admit right now, I'm, I did a little bit of uh, assuming and, and kind of trying to get into Jonah's mind about, okay, why might he not have wanted to go to Nineveh? And I, I came up with two reasons why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh that I think would be at least somewhat common uh, thinking. First is, 
He was putting himself in danger, right? Nineveh was not a good city. I mean, there's a reason that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and say, hey, Nineveh's going to be destroyed, right? Full of wicked people, full of sinners. And he had to journey a day in. The reading said he was, it was a three-day journey from one side to the other. Like, you're, you're in the middle of people who may be hostile towards you if they don't like the message that they're hearing from you. So he was putting his life in somebody else's hands. The second reason that I thought maybe might be the case for Jonah was, why would he waste his time? I mean, they're not going to listen. There's no way they would ever repent from their sins and turn towards God, this, this wicked city of, of Nineveh. And even if they did, there's no way God would forgive them, right? They're so bad. There's no way he would ever forgive them. Why would he waste his time? Again, those are, those are my two thoughts of, of trying to think, why would Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? But neither of those reasons were why. Jonah's problem, it, it wasn't fear, and it wasn't, oh, they would never repent or, or they would never be forgiven. It's actually kind of the opposite. You see, one chapter after our reading, Jonah chapter 4, Jonah says this, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He knew God rightly. He knew God is a, is a loving God, a, a merciful God, a God who doesn't want to destroy the sinner but wants to forgive the sinner who repents. Jonah knew those things about God. And that's the reason that he initially did not want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want these people who he saw as lower than dirt be saved. He wanted them to die in their unrepentance. I, I just, I, I find it kind of funny how he knows God to be such a loving and merciful and forgiving God, and that is what made him not want to go there, the forgiveness of God. But we all know how that worked out for old Jonah, right? I mean, in the process of fleeing, he nearly gets innocent men killed on, on the ship before he's tossed into the sea. And then he was swallowed by a, a giant fish, and then for three days and three nights was in the belly, the, the dark and stinky stomach of the fish. He found out what I'm guessing most, if not all of us have found out, that disobeying God doesn't go real well, right? It, it doesn't typically how, go how we want it to go. But going back to our reading in Jonah 3, he finally gets to Nineveh. He doesn't want to be there, but this time he has listened to God. And I, I, I love verses 4 and 5, what happens. So Jonah goes into the city and he calls out, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. <laughs> That's it. Not, not a very elaborate message at all. 
I mean, it's, it's not detailed. It, it's not, uh, he didn't have to practice it in front of a mirror. Like, it, it was so just short. It was just the facts, you know, what was going to happen. And if I had to guess, he was probably doing it through gritted teeth, right? Like, like he knows that through giving this half-hearted message, this, this warning that, again, does not have much detail, he just knows that God is still probably going to work, right? That, that if they do repent, well, then God will forgive them. And with just these words, they believe God. They, they call for a time of, of fasting and sit in sackcloth. That's crazy. <laughs> that, that is absolutely crazy because, again, Jonah's message, it didn't include who it was from, it didn't call them to repentance, and it didn't give detail about how the city was going to be overthrown. It was just bare bones, and yet it worked. The law of God convicted their hearts. It, it in, in literal ways, scared them to death. And it made them seek God for mercy. And in his mercy, God forgave them. Through the words, or through Jonah, forgave them. All this with just words. Uninspired, nonchalant, half-hearted words. But God worked through these words. In our Mark reading, we see something somewhat similar. God working through just words. This obviously is where Jesus calls his disciples. He comes to them, a complete stranger, and with just a few words, they leave their lives and follow him. Thinking back to the words that have been spoken to us, that have left an impact I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're just words. While they can have effect on us, they're just words. But when God speaks, they're not just words. It's performative. The words do something. When God spoke into nothingness, the cosmos came to be. Galaxies beyond our understanding and comprehension formed at his word. When Jesus told a paralytic to stand or a, a sick person to be healed, they weren't just words, but it actually did those things. When Jesus told the wind and the waves to be still, the storm ceased. When jo with Jonah, God's word had effect that created repentance and ultimately brought uh, the ability to be forgiven. When Jesus called his disciples, they weren't just following him like you follow somebody in a hall, but they were being called. Their, their lives were being changed. When you're baptized, or, or when the pastor stands up here and says, I, in the place of Jesus, forgive you all of your sins, those are not just words. That is actually Jesus removing the guilt of sin from you. He is making you clean with his words. And especially 
in the case of that last one, the, the forgiveness of sins, those aren't just words. But they are just words. Words that make you just and make you right before God. Those words of forgiveness are God's justifying words. Similar to Jonah, we get to carry those same powerful, powerful words of God's forgiveness with us. We get to share God's just words with others. We have seen throughout the course of, of God's people and, and now here with Jonah that God uses imperfect messengers who have imperfect words but to deliver his perfect message of grace and forgiveness. The messenger is not nearly as important as the message. And that message, that's a lasting message. God's words of forgiveness are not just ordinary words, but justifying, life-changing, forgiving words. I mean, you want to talk about words that, that last with someone? Those words that my grandma or, or my pastor said, those words may last with me in, until I'm old and gray. But God's words of forgiveness, they last into eternity. When we speak God's word of, of love and forgiveness, we are, we are literally speaking words of life. These same words bring dead people alive in Christ, and we get to speak those words to others. And I, I know for many of you, you've probably had experiences where you've, you've told someone this and, and you've shared those words, but maybe they've fallen on deaf ears, right? The, the, message of G, uh, the message of the gospel, Jesus, is resistible. But similar to the, the parable of the seed and the sower, where he spreads seed all over the place indiscriminately, we don't know where or when the seed is going to take root. But here's what we do know. When it does, when it, when it takes root, it, it blossoms into the most beautiful thing. With just words, God's just words. He makes what was putrid and detestable, and he makes it beautiful and blameless. He changes from friend or from enemy to friend. He brings from death to life. God's word, God's words are not just words. They are justifying words that change lives. Again, you, you and I, we've had words that have stuck with us. And again, they, they may last a lifetime. God's words last into eternity. And with those justifying words of God, don't be like Jonah. Don't withhold God's powerful justifying words from people who need to hear them. Joyfully share those words with everybody. People who know them and, and people who don't. We still need to hear that same message, those same words. And as we focus on, on connecting the dots of, of discovering people from St. Paul who live near us, we, we need to be reminded of why it is that we're connecting these dots. 
That's ultimately to make more dots, to connect more people with the life-giving words of Jesus, people to be transformed and, and rescued by the justifying words of God. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for your words that justify us. God, we pray that you would uh, use us, Lord, uh, imperfect messengers as we are. We know we're going to mess things up, but we thank you that uh, you can do so much with even just our words. We pray that uh, you would work in and through us, ultimately, for creating more dots, more people who know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.